What is up team? Welcome back. It is Q&A time. Let's get right into the questions. First one we have, when you weigh food, does it matter if it's raw or cooked? So here, um, it doesn't matter. Just choose one consistently and make sure that it aligns with how you're plugging it into MyFitnessPal or Chronometer or whatever app you're using to track. Um, so the thing here is, when you cook meat, it will um, lose some weight via water. It'll basically evaporate. So for example, let's say that you cook a, when you buy a sirloin, or let's say a ribeye, you buy an eight ounce ribeye, um, you cook it and it loses like two ounces of water basically evaporates throughout the cooking process. Now, if you plug that in, so basically my fitness pal will have entries for either raw weight or cooked weight. If you plug that in as six ounces of raw ribeye in your my fitness pal diary, it'll be off by a couple hundred calories. Um, because again, like the cooked weight was six ounces, but actually the caloric value would be more in alignment with an eight ounce. Whereas if you just weigh it cooked um, and track it as such, then it'll be pretty accurate. But again, like make sure you're using, okay, six ounces cooked, which again with the macros would be more similar to probably like seven or eight ounces raw. So it doesn't make a massive difference. Just choose one way or the other and do it consistently. Really, I like raw because I do think it's a little bit more accurate and it's just what I've gotten in the habit of doing more consistently. But yeah, the most important thing there is just consistency. All right, next question we have. Hey, Jeremiah, if training, what's good? If training a lift three times per week in the same week, would you ever suggest progressing it within the same week rather than week to week, i.e. bench A Monday, B Wednesday, um, A Friday? So what I would say here, yeah, for sure. Um, so first and foremost, what I would say is probably it's going to be smart to undulate reps across the course of the week. And this is kind of the idea of daily undulating periodization, which basically the idea is as a whole, we know that within your training specific to hypertrophy, it's smart to split up your reps between a decent amount in the five to 10 or typically we'll program seven to 10, uh, 10 to 20 and 20 to 30 rep range because it's thought that those are to an extent going to hit different muscle fiber types so if we're only training and the reality is like could you train in the same rep range for your entire career and get good results like 80 to 90 percent of the results yes so this is somewhat splitting hairs but even from a wear and tear perspective i would say that like if you're always training in the 7 to 10 rep range let's say if you're it would make so much more sense for a hypertrophy perspective and a longevity perspective to okay let's say monday we are training um, a flat bench in the seven to 10 rep range. Then the Friday, we're gonna train that in the 10 to 15 rep range. Again, we get, we're gonna hit slightly different muscle fiber types. Um, we'll start to recruit a little bit more of the slow switch fibers. You probably get a bit more of a pump. So thus we can get some of that metabolite style work in there a bit more, not through the extreme, but a bit more as well. And it'll generate more beneficial adaptations for building muscle as a whole. 
Whereas if you're always working in the same rep ranges, it wouldn't make as much sense. So from here, what I would say is it probably, again, if the goal is hypertrophy, it's pretty unlikely that you'll be doing the exact same movement three times per week in a smart training program. Now on the flip side, like if you are doing some type of power building approach or you're training specifically for power lifting, okay, specificity is important there. And then again, even like in that, in that case, we'll typically use like daily undulated periodization like we talked about um, earlier. But unless you were trained specifically for like a powerlifting goal to get very, very good at one specific movement, which like if you want to be able to bench a lot, <laughs> more power to you, I don't blame you, I've been there. But again, for hypertrophy, what I would say is I probably wouldn't repeat the movement more than twice a week, just because if you're doing that same movement so much, it is going to be pushing out time and training volume that you could be devoted to other movements again like in this case since this is a bench press let's say you are focusing of course this is like chest focus work right chest and front delts we could say so if you are focusing heavily on if you're doing the same movement three times per week there is a lot of literature that seems to show us that you are going to get more benefit from varying joint angles i know christopher barricat has done um some research on this where they show that basically changing your shoulder angle or basically think where your elbow was at in relation to your torso when you're doing bicep curls changing that like so okay day one we're gonna do a bicep curl just like a standing bicep curl for example day two maybe we're gonna do a spider curl where our elbows are in front of us that seems to be more beneficial for hypertrophy than if we just did bicep curls both times so here what i would say is Again, I think that it would probably be most ideal to, unless you're just doing the classic, like every bench variation I can think of, you would probably get more from, okay, maybe day one, we are gonna do a barbell bench press. Day two, we are going to do, or Wednesday, which would be like the second bench day, we're gonna do an incline press. And then day three, maybe we're gonna do a dumbbell flat press. Or again, if you really want to be specific with like both hypertrophy and getting stronger at the bench, okay, maybe we're gonna repeat the bench there. But I would say it's probably overkill and actually in this case, because again, you only have so much, unless you're doing three chest specific days, you only have so much volume to de devote to each muscle group per session, you'd probably get more bang for your buck from varying that to like an incline variation at the very least. That would be my thoughts, um, but yeah. And then as a whole, again, it depends on where you're coming from as far as how experienced you are. Like, should you try to progress this week to week? So basically, I believe that this was in response to a post that I did right around the time I put my question box out, asking uh, or explaining like the different progression schemes that I like to use. So there, what I would say is, if you can get stronger, uh, gauge it by your RIR target. So if we're training at, to RIR and day one that like Monday you're benching in the seven to 10 rep range. Okay, you hit two RIR at um, eight reps, cool. Day three, you're working in the 10 to 15 rep range and you projected that you could only get 12 reps, but when you hit rep versus last week, but when you hit 12 reps, or let's even say like, let's say for example, to make this more clear actually that you're doing both in the seven to 10 rep range. Okay, let's say then the Friday, um, you projected once again, you could do to eight reps, but once you get to rep eight, you feel like, okay, this is three RIR. 
I can add on another rep. Absolutely go for it. There's no reason not to. But again, I don't think that like doing the same movement three times per week, unless you have powerlifting specific goals, is probably going to be optimal unless either A, you are just doing a ton of chest work, or B, you have a very high amount of you have a very high ability to recover from volume. So thus you're doing a lot of different movements for your chest. Um, but I would probably split the training up a little bit differently. Next question we had, how long should I spend at maintenance post diet? So here, this is very, uh, this is a pretty nuanced question. And there are a lot of people throwing out like, we need to always take like 1.5 times the length of the diet at maintenance but again there's so there's so much nuance to that like many people quote unquote have been trying to diet for a long time but haven't necessarily been tracking accurately or haven't actually lost the amount of fat that they would expect or like have been dieting during the week and maybe binging on the weekend so thus like while some diet fatigue is accumulated it's not nearly as high as like someone who had let's say over the last six months they went from 20% body fat to 8% body fat and they're absolutely shredded. Like those are two completely different scenarios. And that's why in this podcast we dive so much into detail because it does really make a big difference because there are so many people now that like, damn, I have to literally spend months and months of maintenance just to get the outcome that I want when it really, and maintenance is important, but I do think that this is something that is getting to be a bit overdone from time to time in the industry. So first, I would ask, how much did you lose? So really, typically how I look at this is losing 10% plus of your body weight is where we're getting to the point where, okay, this is a pretty significant deviation from your body's previous quote unquote settling point. Now also I would say, look at your dieting history. If you are a physique athlete and you are just very used to constantly manipulating um like we're going through building phases we're going through fat loss phases um you will probably be a little bit better adapted to this and better able to handle these kind of ebbs and flows in body weight as opposed to like let's say an individual who has been trying to get lean for the first time um they hopped on board with coaching and okay now you're down 10 percent okay you are someone that again we know you struggled with this for a long time your body fat tended to settle at a much higher point in the past so now that you are leaner for the first time, we know that you're not going to be able to maintain this nearly as effortlessly as like, again, many of our clients that we've worked with for like one to two years and have already like, okay, I've gotten lean, I've gone through a building phase, um, and I've gotten lean again. Okay, you by this point already have these habits in place that literally to like regress outside of intentionally gaining weight in a building phase or oftentimes even in a building phase, we literally have to talk clients through like undoing habits. Like, hey, I know that in the fat loss phase, it was super helpful when we talked you through, here's how we eat these more filling, more satiating foods so that you don't have to struggle struggle with hunger all the time. So the willpower isn't like such an issue that you're always faced with. But now you're actually underdoing the calories and we need you to better feed and fuel yourself in this building phase to actually hit this desired rate again because we know we don't want you in a deficit right now with a focus being to build muscle um so you need to actually if you're not building if you're not gaining weight and you're not in a deficit you're probably just not building muscle so here's like some habits we need to actually undo let's do start to implement more liquid calories it's kind of a weird conversation to take people through 
Because again, it's literally can feel like we're talking through undoing habits. Um, so one, just understanding the client's diet history, where they're coming from, is such an important part of this. Again, the settling point theory, which is something we've talked about quite a bit on this show, and I know we just released a blog and a podcast on this. I believe that was two weeks ago. Um, it is a very, it's very much a combination of your psychology, your environment, and some genetic factors, but a lot of it is under your control. So basically, if you've lost more than 10% of your body weight, or if you struggled to stay as lean as you want in the past and staying as lean as you want now, that said, we also need to consider how lean did you get, which I'll talk about in just a moment, because if like as lean as, staying as lean as you want means you look like you could hop on a bodybuilding stage at any day, okay, that's probably just not actually sustainable, right? Um, so you're never gonna be able to sustain like that level of strategy around and feel okay. But on the flip side, if it is a very like realistic, sustainable level of lean, you feel great, you have abs, but again, you're not so shredded that your body looks like a roadmap, basically. Um, okay, if you struggle to maintain that, it is important that we take more time at maintenance, and here I would say at least one to two months, to literally just practice the quote-unquote skill of maintenance. That's I know I made a post recently about my client, Jody, who literally, the main reason she hired me was shout out to you, Jody, because I know you listen to this podcast. Um, the main reason she hopped on board was to literally just maintain. Like she'd been able to get to a result in result many times in the past, but just maintaining it was the biggest challenge. So we went through a quick, I believe it was like eight week fat loss phase, very quick. Didn't take her long at all to get down to where she wanted to be. And then really the majority of our time working together was just focusing on teaching her how to maintain this, how to turn it into a quote unquote flexible lifestyle. So like practicing going out to social events and still making things work with her macros without having to feel like she was so precisely planned down to the T. Really like finding the balance between, and don't get it twisted, like some of, part of the flexible dieting is it does take some planning ahead, and that's the trade-off people make for, that's the trade-off our clients make for both having a flexible lifestyle and having a physique that they feel great in. And I would say that most of us would agree that that's well worth the trade-off of a little bit of planning. But on the flip side, there is a fine line there for most people between, okay, this is where I feel like, like this is the threshold level of planning I need to do to be successful. And then this is where it's too far. I feel like if I deviate from the plan just a bit, I'm overwhelmed with guilt and thus I can never be flexible. So like in a scenario like that, one of the main things we focused on was just, okay, how do we give you kind of the best of both worlds? How do we help you maintain this? Like, what does that need to look like for you? How do we, and again, just practicing all these skills of, okay, so when you're gonna go out for, okay, so we know that you wanna go out and have like some wine with your girlfriends this weekend. Okay, here's how many calories I think would be smart to leave open. Like here's how we would tweak the rest of the day. Here's how we reduce fat sources. Here's what I see from your food diary that you can adjust to make sure you have plenty of room to work with here. Um, and then again, like from a mindset, mindset perspective, here's how you approach this to manage it and make sure like really, and I, I would say one of the biggest things here I always tell clients is think through your trade-offs. I want you to literally just, and everyone listening, I would say like one of the single most helpful things in scenarios like this 
is you taking the time beforehand. So be it it's a holiday, it's a trip, it is a vacation, a social event, whatever. Just taking the time to think through beforehand. Okay, what are my trade-offs? Where am I willing to potentially not hit my macro goal or shit, not even track at all, if that's your jam? Where am I willing to sacrifice or trade off a little, like knowing that I didn't necessarily get the fastest progress possible in exchange for, okay, I was super present at this meal, I didn't think about my macros, or I went over my macros. Where is that trade-off worth it to you? And again, I typically like to phrase this as looking at the emotional value of something. Like where on this trip, during this holiday, whatever, do you project that emotional value will be the highest and worth the trade-off of, okay, no, I didn't nail my macros this day, but I'm 100% okay with that. Like I had such a great time with my family. I'm glad I had all those drinks. And then uh, we ordered that pizza and I'm again, I know I didn't hit my macros, but I'm okay with that. Where are you good with that versus where do you think things will come up where it's like, yeah, I'm surrounded by food, and now that I think about it, I do feel very compelled to eat just because all this food is available. But upon deeper thought, really none of this even sounds that appealing to me. And I love the example of like when you go to an all-inclusive resort, and you could literally just eat from like sun up to sundown because there's always unlimited food around you. But like if you think about, do you really enjoy like? stacking your plate with all these very calorie dense foods at breakfast when like uh, okay none of this is honestly even that good i'm not enjoying it that much um i'm just trying to wake my ass up probably have a little bit of a hangover it's just probably the most important thing you can think through and this is always something that we tell clients from there like it's not our place as coaches to tell you hey this is the right thing this is the wrong thing but from your perspective if you think through those trade-offs beforehand you will then be able to go into that event with so much clarity. This is exactly how I need to handle it. You won't feel guilty about it. You won't leave it feeling guilty. Um, but we are getting a little bit off track here. So in a nutshell, if you've lost 10% of your body weight or more, at least one to two months of maintenance is gonna be a good rule of thumb. Next, how lean did you get? Um, really, so if you're lean, but it feels easily maintainable, so basically your sleep is good, you have good sex drive, you have relatively low hunger and your training performance is good. You probably don't need a huge amount of time at maintenance. Um, I would again just look at how much of your body weight did you lose. That said, if you're leaner, then you can sustain. So for example, let's say you got super, super lean for a photo shoot. Now some people can maintain a level of like photo shoot leanness. It very much depends on like how quote unquote shredded you got for the photo shoot. So if you got extremely lean again, like if you're looking closer to a roadmap, you have veins propping everywhere, probably a little bit below the sustainable level. Because the thing is, many of our body's hormones actually come, specifically leptin. Leptin is a hormone that really helps regulate your hunger levels. And also, basically when leptin levels are lower, our body kind of puts the brakes on all these different things that we do to expand energy, like fidgeting, pacing, blinking. Now, leptin literally comes from your fat cells. So when fat cells are smaller, we typically have less leptin. So there comes a point where no matter what, like if we are too lean, we'll just have low energy, hunger will be high, biofeedback as a whole will feel like shit. And that's definitely not the only hormone that's impacted by the amount of fat that we have on our body. Just one example. So from a hormonal perspective, if you're too lean, 
you'll probably just need to gain <laughs> you'll probably just need to gain back a bit of fat to get back in a healthy position similarly like training performance is a very good one to look at here because we also know that below a certain body fat percentage you're just not gonna be able to train well your body won't prioritize adding back or adding lean muscle because again below this body fat percentage that is healthy your body is going to preferentially want to put on body fat with the calories that you take in versus shuttling those to building muscle because it needs more fat for health so um again if you got absolutely shredded for example again a bodybuilding show or like pretty close to that for a photo shoot you probably just need to add a bit of fat back now from there i would ask have you struggled with maintenance in the past again this is very much ties into the first question whereas if it's something that you struggle with in the past you probably need longer quote-unquote practicing maintenance whereas again if you've been through this if you've gone through many phases of cutting and building you seem to have it pretty much on lock it's not nearly as important to spend such a long period of time but then again like the final the final factor there is how is your biofeedback and i'm realizing now that responses one and three and two and four are kind of very similar but when if biofeedback isn't good you probably need more time on maintenance or even reverse dieting and continue to increase your maintenance calories if biofeedback is good again um training performance recovery ability hunger sleep energy level sex drive those are all in a good place then you probably are okay to go in to either building which and i would say as well like actually i would be hesitant to go into building phase if biofeedback was pretty shitty and i would definitely not enter a fat loss phase if biofeedback is in a bad place all right team and that is all i have for you this week as always if you enjoyed this episode do me two huge favors one take a screenshot of this share it to your instagram story and tag me i want to thank you for listening and really you are helping me grow the reach of the show and help more people by sharing second leave us a five-star rating and review in itunes this helps us once again reach more people with the show and help more individuals just like we've helped you all right that is it for me for today until next time thank you for tuning in